You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hi guys, this is Lindsay and it's Leslie here and we are here with Brooklyn tonight and she is going to share with us her story. So Brooklyn, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your family? Okay, so I have a husband that we, uh, we've been married for six years, almost six years, um, Jordan, he is awesome. And we have a five year, almost five-year-old daughter, Hazel, and a three-year-old, Oliver, and our almost seven-month-old, Freddie. Aww. Love them all very much. They're all so awesome. So fun. Um, did you, we're just gonna dig right in, did you experience postpartum with all of your children? The first one, second, third? No, I wish I actually would have because then I feel like it wouldn't have been so hard this time. Yeah. Like I feel like if I had with Hazel, my first one, then maybe I would have been more prepared, which I think is why postpartum can be so rough is because a lot of women don't, I mean like, postpartum at least for me has only become something I'm aware of because of people who go through it like it's not something you're told about when you're pregnant it's not something yeah. you, you just don't know about it and so if it's something you don't if you don't know and then when it hits you you're just like what the frick is going right <laughs> yeah so the fact that I think I had no knowledge of it at all not even like at least a little bit I, I, I mean I don't wish postpartum upon anyone but I just wish I was more prepared I guess is what I'm trying to say but it was talked about more yeah or something or that you were screened for it maybe with yeah. Hazel yeah yeah but I wasn't all Hazel was a really good baby I mean but she was um, still a baby she's still yeah. a baby exactly yeah. <laughs> she's very age she was age appropriate <laughs> so with her, it, my husband worked a lot too. Like he was working in that school. He was going to BYU. It was just me and Hazel. I was a stay-at-home mom. Like I'm surprised I didn't get it then, right? Like yeah. I didn't. Never had baby blues. Like never felt unnatural with being a mom. Everything just felt easy. I don't know if that was because she was a good baby or if it was me. Like I don't know. Then Ollie came along and I realized it wasn't me. She <laughs> was just a good baby. But I still never really got anything with Oliver. I think, well, so after I had Hazel, I've always been like an anxious person and I've struggled with like just anxiety in general. Even like as a kid, I was always worried that I was going to get sick. Or I was always worried like I had cancer. Or I was always worried. I was just worried about everything. Mm-hmm. I would worry about my parents. I was like a nightmare kid. I was, I would always have nightmares. So just like that has just been part of who I, I am. So after Hazel got a little older, my anxiety did get bad, but it, I wouldn't consider it postpartum. Mm-hmm. Like it was just my anxiety was bad because I would get anxious about leaving her with babysitters or going back to work or just things that you get nervous about when you become a parent. Yeah. So like, I don't consider that postpartum, but that like anxiety got a lot worse with Ollie, Oliver, Ollie, my second one, just because I don't know. I think I just felt more, I, I think I felt like I was pretty confident in my parenting. And then when he came out and he was so different from Hazel, that I was just like, what am I now? It's exactly. on. now I thought it was something wrong with me. And so mm-hmm. I just became a lot more anxious every like everything was heightened and I started getting like the intrusive thoughts with Ollie like I would get intrusive thoughts about like not like doing anything anything to him or to myself but like if I were to go in the kitchen and there was a knife out I would just get like this intrusive thought of someone hurting him Mm -hmm. like I would just get like these violent images and I was like oh like stuff like that would just be really really bad and it was just every day and it was like 
just and did you tell anyone about it no i didn't okay. because i didn't know right no one yeah at this point i had never really heard of anyone that had been through ppd i knew people that had depression but not depression from kid like mm-hmm. from child labor and pregnancy and birth and all that and so I was just like, what's going on? And, and like, those thoughts, yeah. that's something foreign. So you're like. Yeah. And so I was like, I've never had a thought about, I'm like 100% against violence. I can't even watch violent shows. The news is hard for me. Anything violent is really hard for me. And so the fact that like I was having these images, I was like, what in the world? They, it got really bad when he was like six months. And so I just, I played the waiting game. Like most women do with PPD, you just wait it out. I just waited it out. I just kind of ignored it. I like pushed the thoughts away. Um, I remember, but I remember it got really bad when I was in Young Women's and I was supposed to go to girls camp and I couldn't get rid of the thoughts. It like started to control my life at that point to where I like the thoughts weren't, it wasn't just like the images of something bad happening to Ollie. Now it was like my whole family, like oh, wow. something bad was going to happen to my entire family. So I couldn't leave. Like okay. I couldn't go. I remember I just had like panic attacks on my way up to girls camp because I just knew Jordan and he, I didn't really tell him what was going on, but I was just like, I can't go. And he didn't understand why. And I was like, I can't stay the night. Like I just couldn't imagine being away from my family. Maybe that's like a control problem with, I've had, a, I'm a control person. I just am. I don't know. I'm sure it was a lot of things that I was doing or just part of who I was, but I couldn't get myself to go. And so I, forced myself to get there and I'd had like this panic attack during testimony meeting it was just like so embarrassing (laughs) oh man it was just and I'm sure the girls if if anyone listens to this that was there they'd be like oh that didn't feel like a panic attack but it was to me right (laughs) um so that was with Ollie and then I told Jordan about it because I was like I was so embarrassed right I was like there's something that I need to tell you I didn't really tell him details about what I was thinking because when you have that it's like and you you want to tell someone but it's someone you don't won't relate like let's be honest guys cannot relate no I yeah. love them but they cannot relate I knew that he was just kind of gonna try and fix me and like do what guys do and, and try so, to understand try to understand not be able to relate yeah but yeah. won't be able to and so I didn't really tell him like everything I just felt like I needed to tell him because he he thought there was like something wrong with me and there was um so i told him and he told me to go see this um family care doctor i don't know and it i kind of wish i wouldn't have seen him because he was kind of a jerk like really yeah like i went and told him about um i I kept it pretty simple with him i was just like hey i've been having like these a lot of anxiety a lot of like intrusive thoughts about bad stuff happening to my kids and my family and he was just like it's normal get over it like Oh dear. Yeah, and so we hear that so much, it blows my mind. And I don't want to be sexist, but I was like, he just doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, and so we've even heard that from female practitioners oh, for too. Real? Yes, oh, which in local, like I, yeah. I can't even. Well, maybe they it. just haven't been through it. It's kind of like war, right? You don't understand war unless you've been in war. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can't totally. give someone advice unless you've been through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of like for me. I was, I thought I was just being dramatic, and I was like, okay. This is just something I need to just get over type thing. So I did. I got over it and it did go away. Probably about three or four months later, it did. It did go away. Once he got older and like, I don't know if, I don't know how, why it goes away. So how old was Ollie at that point? Like a year. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, a little. And did you just notice one day like, hey, I haven't felt that way for a while or. Yeah. I just noticed that it would get like progressively better. And then one day I was like, oh, and then I don't know. I mean, now that I look back on it, I, I probably was being like was worrying about it too much just because 
I, you were in have, it. Yeah, I was in it, but yeah, it's your it, normal. Yeah, it it did it did go away. Um, I don't remember exactly like when or how I felt when it did, just because you're a busy mom. I was busy, and because his, if I'm being honest, his was like a five compared to what I went through with Freddie. Oh, like oh. it was not that bad. So oh, yeah. now and like now that I've been through what I went with Freddie, I'm like that was nothing, you know. And so now, I, yeah. So tell us about Freddie. Oh man, this is hard. Okay. So with Freddie, I was, because of what I went through with Ollie, I didn't want it to come back because I thought that was the worst of it. I was like, oh, that, because that to me, like pain and sadness and sorrow, everything's relative, right? Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was the worst of it. And so I went to, and I had, I had been seeing a therapist just because I think therapy is amazing for everyone. And if you can afford it, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I was doing therapy because Jordan had lost his mom to suicide a few years prior and it affected me but it had also affected him traumatically so we were both kind of doing therapy and I was mainly in it because I did not want to go back to PPD so I told my therapist I was like hey I'm kind of doing this as like a preventative measure I don't want to get PPD and I this is what I went through with Oliver and she kind of like validated my feelings she's awesome made me feel better and like gave me some coping mechanisms and like how to work through it for if I did feel that with Freddie well Freddie was born and I didn't really, I mean, like, I always thought PPD would, like, day one, you know? Like, you'd feel yeah. it day one. No. <laughs> like, anyway, so I didn't really feel anything. I was like, I, I had a natural labor with Freddie. Did not have that with either of my other kids. Um, no pain medication, nothing. Like, Ooh. so, I, and I don't know if that's related to why my PPD was so bad, but it was almost, like, traumatic. Yeah. Like, my labor with him, like, it was... PPD with Freddie and giving birth to Freddie are equally the hardest things I've ever done. Like wow. 10 out of 10, the hardest thing, both of those things. And I don't know if that's related, if they're related to each other or, or what, I'm not sure. I wish I knew, I wish I knew why people got PPD, but I don't. Um, so his birth was amazing, but it was also very hard and traumatic and scary and everything. Right. Um, so I, I didn't feel anything. Things were great. I was just like, wow, this baby's awesome he's he's always been a really easygoing chill dude never gave me any problems and so I was like cool this is gonna this is gonna be like my best one yet like yeah things are good feeling right good. feeling really good about this one um but then I remember I don't remember exactly like what thought I had I don't I don't remember I wish I did but we were in the hospital oh now yeah it's actually coming back now I wonder what just jogged that so we were in the hospital and the nurse took Freddie out to go do the stuff that they do with babies like the screenings and oh, yeah. I don't stuff right they take them out for stuff and as she was out I had this like insane feeling that she was going to hurt him like oh. just this and I was just like I knew I knew it was coming back and I was like no like why this is like supposed to it was day two and I was like this is supposed to be the best most beautiful moment and I just knew I just had like this bad feeling that some that she was gonna take him away or do something mean to him and so when, and then I, this poor nurse, I hope she never listens to this, but I hated her after that. She came back in and I would just be like, you know, thinking that she did these things and like wouldn't tell me and just ha I don't had like this feeling against someone that didn't do anything wrong. And then having these feelings about my baby, instead of being like loving towards him and wanting to snuggle him, I was just like, what'd she do to you? You know, like, ah, I just knew I was like, ah, it's coming back. But then the next day and I was, I mean, I was exhausted and I, 
I still hadn't had any medicine because I didn't want it. I wanted like the most natural recovery birth ever. And so I was like, maybe I'm feeling this way because I'm legit like psycho right now. Like I'm, t- I'm tired, still hadn't really eaten. So I kind of played it off as like just me being exhausted and mm-hmm. tired and overwhelmed and hormonal, right? So I was just like, okay, we'll give it a while. And then it, it, it did go away for a while. How, um, long, how long is a while? Like so a week or like a month? No. So it went, so I'm trying to remember because, so he was born in December and then it started to like come back very minorly. Like I would get the same things with Ollie where I'd see a dangerous item and I'd be like, get these images, right? And so, but I knew I had at least, at least that was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I did this with Ollie. That's, that's okay. I, I can, I can do this again. If that's as bad as it's going to get. I'm okay with that. I can, that I was willing to just wait out, right? I was like, I waited it out before. I can wait it out again. So I thought that's what I was going to do. I was just going to wait this out again. I wasn't going to tell my therapist because I was like, I, I got this. Yeah, like, yeah. I've done it. I right? can handle it. I got through it. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, <laughs> so that idea. Um, <laughs> I, the, let's see. So yeah, about January, I noticed like they were getting more, just more frequent not more not worse like the images weren't worse or anything it was just more frequent and i was just like like what the heck and then at the same time i think it's important to note too that like while i was going through ppd that i didn't really know i was struggling with i was my husband he's okay with this by the way so you don't have to (laughs) my husband was also going through like a a crisis of faith and he was also going to therapy because of his mother and what happened with that and his family and he's he had his own depression so i'm depressed my husband's depressed we're both in therapy we're both having a faith crisis we're my husband's extremely overworked because they're working on this project i'm by myself a lot with my kids like all this happened Three at the kids. same time how old are your kids at this like four point? four two in one month and, and freddie got rsv during this too oh, oh man so i was just like i think i i was just over like drowning at that point i was just drowning yeah i was drowning um and it was really hard because i i felt like i couldn't be open with jordan because he was depressed i was like we can't both be depressed at the same time so i, I didn't tell anybody like who was i supposed to tell no one right that's what i thought i didn't think i had anyone and so i was just keeping all this in and and you didn't tell your therapist but you were still going to therapy no i actually wasn't going to therapy at that point because oh, okay. i i went with her the first month of freddie's life and then I kind of felt like I'd graduated, I guess, from her. <laughs> I don't okay. know. She was still like checking up on me, but I was like, I'm fine, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, oh, I totally forgot to mention this. Oh my gosh. So when Freddie was seven days old, we took pictures, the newborn pictures, and uh-huh. Jordan and I left him in the car and forgot he was in there <laughs> for 30 minutes. What? Good thing it was December, but we left him in the car because we were in the car I'm driving now, which is not my car, it's Jordan's car. And we weren't, we never take kids in that car ever. And I feel like I was that lady that literally looked at stories about moms leaving their kids in the car and was like, shame on you, go to hell. Like, right, that was me. Oh my, I did it. Like I did it. He was seven days old. Thank goodness it wasn't summer. Like Mm -hmm. I, I thank whoever every day that it wasn't summer. Yeah. But we were, I, we were both just tired and exhausted. And I was literally like in line getting food, thinking about how much fun our newborn pictures were when he wasn't like, and I was like, man, this is, this is so awesome. Like, why didn't I think, where is he? Why isn't he with me right now? 
So that was really, really traumatic. Like that made me feel like a terrible mom because of that. And I was going back to therapy to get over that okay. because that's why I was still in therapy. Forgot to mention that was because that was really hard. But my mom was with us when that happened and she made me feel better. And when I got back, I was just crying, bawling, just couldn't yeah. believe I had done such a terrible, awful. He was sleeping when I got back. But when your baby's sleeping, you don't know if they're actually sleeping or so yeah, like right. in my mind, like all these terrible things are, it was awful, awful, oh. completely awful. And now I have like this P, uh, PTSD, leaving kids in the car and trust issues from that. And anyway, that's another thing in therapy still for that. Um, Cause when you do that, you need therapy to get over it. Yeah. Thank goodness my outcome wasn't that bad. I stopped going to therapy when Freddie was about a month and a half, just because I really did truly feel like I had the tools I needed to overcome things on my own. But then literally like two weeks later, everything started like, you always think when things are good that they're gonna stay good. They never, at least for us, they didn't. Things just started getting hard again. Like Jordan was going through his faith crisis, which he had been going through for a few years, but didn't tell me. Oh. So when he, but going to therapy made him realize that he needed to tell me. Mm -hmm. So he's telling me all this stuff, which is making me go through my own faith crisis, which is not fun no. at all and that's a whole other that's another story. podcast we yeah. can talk about <laughs> holy Ugh. yeah so anyway there's just like so much mental frustration going on in my head and i don't know if that contributed to why freddie's ppd was so awful but i was just mentally frustrated all the time what was like the strongest emotion you felt like anger or anxiety or what took over the most at that point uh at that point just feeling really alone i guess just feeling really isolated mm, yeah maybe? just isolated like that like things were never gonna get better you know just sad i guess just kind i guess not sad but more just like disappointed that this is like where we were at that time mm -hmm. just, yeah just yeah. just disappointed um i was never angry at anyone or anything until um fast forward so i'd been we, we had been going through this for a few months like december or january february march and then april was when like it got bad um and like between december and april we like opened up to our like at least my parents i don't know jordan's parents his mom or his stepmom and his dad are sort of in the loop on our faith thing at that point but my parents mainly were and that went well but it was still just hard for us to talk about and for them to hear so that kind of added to it and i don't know yeah that didn't really it was fine like my parents reacted fine it just wasn't a, a conversation i ever thought i would have it just when you disappoint your parents it's not like a very good feeling yeah you and know for those of you that aren't from our community we're a very strong religious community and so when yeah you, when you do separate or have any kind of a faith crisis it's very um, yeah. it's a journey so anyways, it's a journey we'll yes. just still on the journey leave it at that but yeah it's a, yeah yeah. And I, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not something I ever want anyone to go through. Um, so, and then April happened and man, so we were going to go visit Jordan's sister. She lives in Portland. She's an artist. She does studies art there. And at this point in April, I, because I had been so overwhelmed with life, I was like, I need a freaking break. So I got a job. I got a job and I had started going to the gym a little bit to kind of like help myself mentally because i knew i knew like what i needed to do right i was like i know i need self-care i know i need to give myself a break and i know i need to like empower myself so i thought going to the gym would be an awesome way to do that so i was going to the gym 
And I had got this little mini part-time job working for people with special needs. I do job coaching and like supported living for them. Super, super part-time. And I still do it. I love it actually. It's an, it's an awesome job. Um, so I thought things were going to get better. I thought, I thought I'm good. Like I'm doing the self care. Like I'm, I would Jordan. Um, and like, I don't want to downplay Jordan at all. Cause he was a bad a through all this, like my rock, like he was amazing. So he was always just so supportive of me needing that time for myself. If I ever wanted it, he would give it to me. He would come home from work if I needed it. I'm so glad that he was my support during this and not a husband that I didn't get along with or a husband mm-hmm. that made me feel like, cause I know there are women who go through this and they have mean husbands or insensitive husbands or husbands that I, I you know, just not, yeah. not nice guys. Like mm-hmm. they just don't get it. And even that they don't even, they don't get it. Okay. So like I was saying, um, I thought I was good cause I was doing all these things I should be doing. I thought I was in the clear. Freddie was, how old was he by then in April? Oh, January, February, March, four months ish, right? Uh, yeah. So, no medications though, right? No, just all the other. Okay. No, yeah, to everything. Yeah, totally natural. So we were on our way to go visit Jordan's sister in Portland, and Portland is is when it started. I don't know why, but um, and like the thing with PPD that I kind of want to throw out there too is like you never. It's not something you like are doing. You don't do anything wrong. It just like, happens. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something. It's not your fault. And for a while, I thought it was. I was like something I'm doing, something I'm eating, something I'm saying. Some, and I'm sure those things can contribute to make it worse or better. But it's not like you do anything to bring it on, right? Which is where I went wrong. Um, so we were in Portland, and I remember. I had I was sleeping with Freddie. It was just me and Freddie in one room because I was nursing him, and then Jordan and the kids in a completely other room. Um, I had this feeling in the middle of the night one night to hurt him, and I don't know why, but I just woke up and we were in Portland, and I just woke up and I was kind of frustrated at him because he he wasn't sleeping, and I was just had like this feeling of like anger towards him, and I had never felt anger towards a baby, even uh, other kids. My own other kids never had that feeling ever, ever, ever. And I, I was, it was late and I was just like, it caught me off guard. Cause I was like, what the, like, that was weird. But I went back to sleep and I woke up and kind of forgot about it, but it was still in the back of my mind. Right. I was just kind of like, Oh, that was really weird. Like, was I just really frustrated? Was I just really tired? What was, what was that? But I had never felt that with Ollie. And so I was just like, that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked past it and then, and then it just, it just got really bad from there. So the whole, that whole trip, that whole trip, I was just like in my head obsessing over this thought that I'd had about hurting him. And I think obsessing over it made it worse. Obsessing, like obsessing, like why forgiving yourself? Yeah. Like, like, well, just wondering why it came. Like, did I do something? What did he do? Like, how should I be sleeping with him at night? Just like overworking my brain like crazy. And I didn't tell Jordan. I think that is the, one of the biggest problems is that when I, when you have, like these, and it's, they're hard to say because you don't want to tell someone you're, that is supposed to trust you with your kids that you want to hurt them. Like, mm-hmm. why would I want to go tell Jordan that if he's going to maybe say, well, maybe you shouldn't sleep with him. Then that's going to make me feel worse. So I didn't say anything and it kind of ruined my trip because that's all I could think about. And I was just like, it was really weird. And then I started getting anxious. Like my anxiety just got really, really bad while we were there. And I just kept thinking it's the elements like it's my allergies, right? Mm -hmm. I just kept playing it off that there was something I was doing or that it was something out of my control that was causing this stuff to happen to me when like it just happens. Like it's not, 
it just happens. The problem is, is that women don't know how to cope with it or how to get over it or how to live with it. If it's lifelong, you, you know, so you're just beating yourself up because yeah. you're thinking it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And I just felt really bad that I was, that that was a thought that I had. I was like, I'm a good person. Why would I think that? Um, and then when we, so we were driving, we went to Portland and then we were coming back through Idaho, um, and then back to Utah. So we we're kind of doing this like family trip. And when we were on our way, when we got to Idaho, all of a sudden my, what my PPD, whatever was just getting, just like it was blowing up. Like all of a sudden I was like thinking about hurting myself. And I was like, what in the world? Like I couldn't focus on, we had like family coming over. I was like meeting my sister's boyfriend and her parents or his parents. And I just couldn't stop this like, spiral of of destructive awful thoughts about i because i think it just still stemmed from that fact that i had that thought about hurting freddie and so i was like i shouldn't be his mom like i should just go right like and then that like i it just it just went really bad from there and i i thought like maybe i do need to just go and then i was like no i can't do that because that's what happened to jordan and look what happened to his family and then just it ruined the whole trip it ruined everything I tried so hard to play cool and to fake like I was having a good time when really I was so like nauseous so sick the whole time you probably would have asked someone like oh I didn't I wouldn't have known well yeah that's what people with depression and PPD that's what they do they pretend like some everything's fine so that no one knows Mm -hmm. man yeah that was really hard and I remember just feeling like so so um unattached from Freddie like I had had this really good relationship with him like everything was good and then I just I didn't like I just felt like he was this just like a baby rather than like my baby because I just felt so unattached because you know I don't I don't really know how else to explain it but I just felt like oh that's perfect there wasn't love bond Yeah, yeah like there wasn't there anymore and so I just, at that point, I like didn't want to, I was so afraid. I was like afraid of him. I was afraid that I was going to hurt him or I was afraid that if I held him, that I was going to want to hurt myself because I didn't deserve his love. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just like, didn't want to be around him. Um, and like, that's where it sucks. Sorry. This is where I'm going to get emotional. Um, man. So just like thinking back on it now i'm just like that wasn't even the worst of it like okay so when i was feeling that like an attachment from him i thought nursing him would help so i did i started nursing him for a little bit and that helped and um i don't i don't know why it helped maybe just brought like made me realize that he needs me i guess and that i can't leave so how old was he at this point this is in april so he's like Four months four or five months okay. yeah okay. so on the way back um oh man this is like the worst day ever so we left the next i think it was like the next morning i don't i don't remember the whole timeline this part of my life is like so confusing right so on our way back i told jordan i would help drive because he had been driving pretty much the whole time the portland trip idaho trip and so i told him i would help drive um and then while we were driving i had urges to kill my whole family and to just drive off the road Mm. like why why i don't know but 
everything that you just said, it's not your fault. I know, but it's just so heartbreaking to like think that I'm a normal, good person. Why would I ever have that thought? You didn't. Your broken chemicals in your brain did. That wasn't you. Oh, it just sucks. Like thinking of that at one point in my life, I had that. I don't, and maybe I shouldn't even call it a desire because there's no freaking way I would ever do that. But at that time and at that point in time, I felt like I couldn't control my urge and I had to pull over. I told Jordan, I was, I just started, I just couldn't hold it in. I was like, I can't drive. Like I can't, I, I have these urges to crash the car and I don't know why. And I, I need, I, I can't. Good and for you for saying something. Lord, I didn't want to, I didn't want to crash my car. That is brave. I was a little worried that if I crashed it, we would all just suffer instead of die. I was like, oh, I'm not very good at crashing cars. Um, <laughs> but so I told him, and I was just like, you need to drive. And then he, so he'd been going to therapy with the same therapist that I had been going to therapy with, which turns out it was a blessing because he actually, and I know this might sound backwards, but it helped as he said, no, you actually have to drive. He's like, this is, and our therapist uses the analogy of waves. And she said, when I told her, when I get anxious or I go through something hard, she's like, we know when a wave comes, you need to dive into it in order to get over it. You need to face the fear and realize that you're better than that fear and you can't let the fear of something happening don't don't let it like don't let it win don't let the fear win don't let the wave win like dive cuz it's you know you guys are swimming in the ocean if you if you jump into the wave you're far better off than letting the wave crash onto you mm-hmm. so i did i said you know you're right i'm going to keep driving but you have to talk to me and i have to be vocal about everything i'm feeling and he's like that's fine um it's hard when you have three little kids and they're listening listening so we you know put a movie on for them and thank goodness freddie doesn't can't really listen but i just like didn't yeah so that was hard because i knew i had to keep driving like my hands were shaking i was like clenching with all my might to the steering wheel every time we would go over a bridge and there is water i'd have to tell myself i don't want to crash into that water like i don't want to do that i do not want to do that and i would say these things like out loud to jordan then he would validate he'd be like you don't want to do that like it's okay stuff like that wow um and i'm really glad i did that because i think if i would have let that fear win it would have still been haunting me Mm -hmm. right it would have still been something that who knows if i would be driving now like i don't know but that was that was good but then that night um was probably the worst night of my whole life so we got home and i i think just the just the the fact that my brain went to this place so evil so uh i don't even know if evil is the right word just so worse than evil a place of wanting to inflict harm on other people like that is that's something i never in my wildest dreams thought i could ever feel so i and i you know i i do have control problems and so i had been obsessing over this thought that i had felt that way and I, I couldn't let it go. And so that night I had like the worst panic attack ever where I, we were, and still, I was still holding on to that thought in Portland that I had still never told anyone about, about hurting Freddie. And so that night, everything I think just like came, it all mm-hmm. just came together and unraveled and blew up. It just blew up. We were, I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened or what triggered it but we were putting hazel to bed and freddie was on hazel's bed 
And I just looked at him and I just was like, just the thoughts of like feeling so unworthy of him and wanting to hurt him for some reason. I don't know why. I, I, I feel really bad saying that, but I feel like I need to actually be honest about wanting to not, not wanting. I hate the word want because I didn't want to do it. But the thought of that possibility coming to my brain because I know there's women who I, I sure hope don't go through this, but I know that there are women who go through it that actually follow through, right? And right. so that was killing me because I was just like, what if I do? And then I kept having this, what if I do feeling? And then I would, but I was like, but I won't because anyway, so it just got really bad to where I was like driving myself like clinically insane. Overanalyzing. Insane to the point where I had this bad, bad, bad panic attack in our front yard. It was late at night. It was like 10 o'clock and I felt the sickest feeling I've ever felt. I felt like, you know, when you're just, you, I'm assuming you guys have both had PPD, mm -hmm. you know, when it just gets to its all time low, the worst it's ever been and nothing is good. People aren't good. Life is not good. You're not good. Your husband's not good. I remember even looking up at the moon and hating the moon. I hated the moon. I hated the night. I hated people in their houses. I hated everything. I wanted everything to be done. I just wanted everything to go away. I just, and like, I've never felt so, oh, just so, I like evil. Like I just felt evil. I felt like everything I wanted to just ruin everything. And I told Jordan, I, I, I don't know if I actually told him this, but I remember thinking I need to, to get away. Like I need to go to check me in somewhere. Like I'm crazy, right? I felt crazy. I felt like a crazy person and I just wanted to get away. I wanted to just like, I wanted someone to fix me. I wanted to go to an institute and I wanted someone to be like, this is what's wrong with you. Here's medicine, you're mm -hmm. fixed. I wanted that so bad. And I remember just saying, I can't be here. I can't do this. And Jordan, seriously, he's awesome. He was just like, you can like he talked me through I don't exactly remember everything he was saying because I was so in my head and I was I felt so sick I just felt like I had committed a crime that I didn't even do I felt like I was like the worst you could th think of any terrible person I felt worse than them mm. um just because how could a mother have those thoughts mm -hmm. right oh so sick like even thinking about it I just feel sick even oh it's just a gross feeling so um, my therapist also told me, and I thought this was good advice, is that when you have a feeling that's really strong in a bad way, like a really strong, bad feeling, that you also need to combat it with something else strong, not alcohol or anything like that, right? <laughs> not, that's not what I'm saying. She's saying, so she gave the example of like, when I'm feeling really, really anxious or when I'm feeling those like evil feelings, like deep into my stomach, my heart even felt bad my heart, everything. It's like when you're feeling like that, do something extreme, like run, just run, go run, do burpees. She's like, some people when they feel these, she's like a lot of people, she's like, this is actually a, a really common feeling, but a lot of people when they feel these feelings, they take it out in extremes, but in bad ways, like violence. Like some people will, they abuse people mm -hmm. or, um, you know, you hear the kids that hold all these feelings in and they go shoot up schools. Mm -hmm. Like she's repression. like the repression. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you need to take it out in a healthy way, but it also has to be as extreme, equally as extreme as what you're feeling inside. And so when I had this, this, that worst day in my life feeling where I felt like the evilest person in the whole world, Jordan took me inside and he turned on some insane music, like some just crazy, like workout music. And he forced me to do 
like a ton of burpees, like <laughs> forced me to do them. I was like crying. I was a mess and, but he forced me to do them and I did. Um, I did them and I, I did feel better. I think I just, something with the adrenaline or the dopamine, right? Like it just started kicking in. Endorphins, yeah. Yeah, um, endorphins. And I, there's, this part is crucial for me to bring up. It's very controversial. I'm sorry, mom and dad, but I did use marijuana at this time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I did. We had some, we had bought some from Portland and the reason I got it was because it's legal there. And I had that feeling about Freddie, right? And I knew I was like, um, there's like really, really nice high-end dispensaries there. And I was like, hey, I told Jordan that, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but he was like cool with me getting some. Um, not like, I didn't smoke or anything, but like the edibles, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had heard that if you take it in doses, it can help with anxiety. Like CBD oil can help edibles can help and I, I i thought i'm gonna try this like right um and it that's what i also so when i when i was going through this hard thing that night i told him i said go get some of those edibles mm -hmm. i was like i need my brain something is going on i knew it was in my brain i knew it was in my heart because i knew what was in my heart mm -hmm. i knew what my heart wanted my heart would never do such things i knew it was my brain and i was pissed at my brain um and so the, like when you're in that state of mind you will do anything to get out of it and at that point i was like go get me an edible and i'm gonna eat that now so he and i i'm not gonna lie guys it worked like it did <laughs> i don't recommend that because i know it can be a gateway for things that's not what we're talking about i'm just saying it's part of my story it did help it calmed me down i don't take them anymore i did it twice i did it that time and then the two nights later when it happened again um but I felt like I needed to because I was like my brain was so heavy and so dark that I thought it would I just needed something and it did yeah, help it helped you flip a switch it helped me flip a switch and who knows it could have been a little bit of a placebo because I I was nervous about eating it so let's be honest I didn't have the whole thing like yeah. you know I had a little bit but it did help so part of my story sorry for everyone who's gonna like have a freak out about it's that your you know story what? but my it's story back story. off no yeah. no that's that's the perk of this whole podcast is there may be controversial things there may be things that people don't agree with but we all get to speak our truth and this is your truth and this is your this story is my so. truth and yeah yeah so i did it another i did it two nights later after that um yeah and then i noticed that it was like helping with helping me come down it didn't it didn't solve my problem at all it did not solve my problem it did not solve anything it did help me come down a few notches. It helped me come down from a 10 to about an eight, which in my opinion is great. Yeah, with postpartum. It's great. Yeah, even in Any night. improvement. Any improvement <laughs> is great. And it helped for, it helped, I could not sleep. It helped me sleep, which is what I needed. So that is part of it. I did do that. Um, I don't know, tastes terrible. Never gonna do it again. But I did started using CBD oil like a little bit just because that's, safer i i am like not about um substance abuse because i like being in control and that stuff freaks me out so i yeah i don't want to be like reliant on anything so i did try cbd oil after that because i was so fearful it would come back i was so fearful of all these things happening that i knew you know in utah cbd oil is legal and so i got some cbd oil and like we were supposed to be going to freaking hawaii in three weeks and i was like this cannot be happening while i'm in hawaii mm -mm. no like i will not let this ruin my trip <laughs> So I got some CBD oil for that, for that reason. Cause I just was like, just in case, right? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, oh, man, 
and CBD oil, I don't really know if it worked or if it didn't. I didn't really, oh gosh, I forgot to mention something super, super vital. So man, how did I forget this? The day, so Sunday was when that, when I had the driving thing. And then when we got home and I had that, that bad panic attack, right? Then I felt so out of control of what my brain was doing that I thought if I don't get this under control, I might actually do something like it, it got that bad where I, I knew I needed like immediate intervention. Okay. I'm going to the, I'm going to see someone. I'm going to my, um, what, what do you call them? OB. I'm going to my OB and I'm going to get something. I'm going to get on medicine and it'll work. Cause I had had friends where that did work. It worked. No. Oh my gosh. My experience was awful. I got on medicine. They gave me a SSRI and I don't remember what it was called, but it was awful for me. I got on it with high hopes, the highest hopes that it would cure me and I would be back to normal like that. Cause it does work for people that way. Not me. Like it, it turned me into a clinical psycho. Like I was having like, I was shaky. I could not like when I would drive, I would black in and out as I was driving. And I was like, I cannot be on this while I have kids and I'm driving them around. I'd black in and out while I was driving. I would have like these like crying spells randomly where I would just be like overwhelmed, start crying and just, and I was only on it for two days. I was on it for two days. And these whole two days, I just was like, what the freak? Like this is supposed to be helping. And my, my doctor told me, you know, there's going to be some minor side effects. It takes two weeks to kick in. And I was like, no, I am not doing this for two mm-hmm. freaking weeks. It would weeks. be hard, no hard, hard two weeks. No wonder you had another panic attack. Yeah, so yeah. literally that, I had that panic attack the, ne- the two days after. And that's yeah. when I was like, edible again. Like, I need that. But <laughs> I know medicine works for people. And I'm, I am an advocate for whatever works for you. That did not work for me. We also know that it takes a long time to find the right one. It yeah. does take a long time to find the right one. But I wasn't willing to put myself through it if it was I don't know I just I am like not the type of person to just wait around and feel like crap until so that didn't work I yeah it like made my anxiety 10 times worse which is a side effect some people could have waited it out and been like I can wait this out see if it kicks in when it's supposed to maybe get a higher dose I don't know I wasn't about that your symptoms were pretty extreme my symptoms were pretty extreme I don't know if it was gonna but yeah I I even told him I called him and I was like uh I'm not doing this because we're leaving, we leave for Hawaii and I'm not taking this Mm-mm. while I'm there. I'm, I'm not doing this. And he was like, okay, hey, just get off of it. And so I did. And like getting off that crap sucks too. Because mm-hmm. the withdrawals, even from like mm-hmm. two days, were really bad. Just not being able to sleep. Um, insane insomnia. Um, mm. Just like suicidal thoughts like no other. Mm, you're the, very sensitive to that. Jeez, yeah, that's wait. crazy. So how was Hawaii? <sighs> Luckily, it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Another big part of my story is I felt like, you know, when you're so mentally ill that you also feel physically ill. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I could have walked into a doctor's office and convinced them I had MS or cancer or anything. Cause I seriously felt that bad. Like I felt so physically sick mm-hmm. that they would, but I, and I did, I went and got my blood drawn cause I was like, I don't feel good. And, but it was all connected to my mentality. And I know that now because I did fix some things in my life and I feel a lot better so tell us what you you went to Hawaii and everything was good yeah so the reason Hawaii was good was because I am a researcher which can be a good thing and a bad thing but I started researching mental health like crazy and I actually thought of doing a podcast I thought I was like I should start a podcast like I have all this knowledge like (laughs) 
right? And so when you when I found out you're doing one, I was like, yes, like someone's doing one. Yeah, um, you were one of the first people to oh, reach out. Oh, well, because to us. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I, I was like, oh, I'm so glad someone's doing that because like when you go through something like that, you never ever ever want anyone to go through it. Mm-hmm, I don't. Right. I would not wish that upon the worst person. Um, and so I'm really glad that you're doing this because I feel like podcasts and talking is a form of therapy. Mm-hmm, and so totally. I was like, this is gonna be so good. Like bring awareness. It's hard to talk about, and women need to to understand when you get pregnant, this is a possibility. So like. For anybody. For anyone. It's not just people who do certain things. It's a possibility for anyone, circumstance, anyone. I researched like crazy to figure out how to help myself because I wanted to be better for my kids. Yeah, I, I just didn't want there to be a point where I was going before I needed to be. I tried to, I try. I thought there'd be an answer on the internet as to why women get PPD. Oh, I couldn't find anything. I was really mad about it. So I was like, there's gotta be a reason. Why, like why, why is there, why do women go through this? Nothing. No yeah, one knows. There's no, no common denominator among everyone. There's nothing. Yeah. And so I thought, yeah, I think maybe awareness helps or maybe that more women are being outspoken about it. There can be more research about it because maybe that will help. Um, but I decided to like dr- dramatically change my diet. I'm off dairy, gluten and soy. And I have been since the week after I had that panic attack, had the panic attack. Um, had the second one and then like three days later I was like I'm sick of this I'm sick of this and so I started researching realized I was never eating bad I wasn't I had accepted the fact that I was just gonna go through this I was I was like you know what I'm gonna have PPD I'm gonna, I'm, I'm fine with that I just want to know how I can get through it easier because um, I feel like once you accept that there's something going on it gets easier mm-hmm. it doesn't I get agree. It, it doesn't go away but it gets easier once you're just like hey this is what I'm going through I'm just going to, I'm going to hit it head on and I'm just going to do this the best I can then. So I did. I started looking into different things women had done. I read so many stories. I got involved in like PPD uh, support groups and like everything to kind of figure out like what I needed to do, what helped other people change my diet, got off dairy, gluten, soy, and it did help, which is why I think I had a better time in Hawaii because and like I had always been a little sensitive to dairy um, get bloated, whatever. I don't eat a ton of dairy. So, um, my husband's celiac though. So being off gluten was at least easier cause we're both off it. I had my panic attack. Right. And then about two and a half weeks later, we were supposed to go to Hawaii. So I, or maybe it was even three. So I had been off gluten for a good two and a half weeks before we left. And I think that actually, or all of them, dairy, gluten, soy, all of them. And I think it actually helped because when I was there, I still had days, moments, hours where, you know, I had hard time I while we were there I wish I never had this feeling but while we were there I don't care how perfect your life is we were in mother freaking Hawaii mm-hmm. and I still had suicidal thoughts like what it has nothing to do with situation nothing to do with where you're at geographically and nothing to do with your life situation it's not it's not it's not you it's nothing to do with it, it is seriously you're just messed up brain like who has that thought in Hawaii on vacation? It was a paid for vacation. I wasn't stressing about money. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a thing. Just beyond your control. It was just beyond my control. And so the fact that yeah, that that's when it kind of hit me as I was like, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not doing anything at this point. I'm on vacation. I'm eating healthy and I'm still having these thoughts. This is just something I have to, I have to push through this. So through your research, what else did you find? I mean, what did you do when you got home from Hawaii? Did yep. you do anything different? Did you start seeing a therapist again? What did you do in your, what did you learn in your so, research that helped you? Um, eating better for me was a huge one, obviously. Another thing I found 
was talking to myself. And this was kind of like I had heard talking about it in general is amazing. I had everything I read was talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, everything. So women who, if you're holding it in, don't. Tell someone, find someone you trust and just tell them. Tell me, call me, my phone number, I can give it out if you want. <laughs> Seriously, just tell someone. So that was always the main thing that was just so frequent, like common denominator through all of it was talk, talk, talk. Um, another thing I found out was exercise. I know it's hard for some women to find the time to exercise. There's always an excuse. I was that person, but I run. I just, I, I suck at running. I have surgery on both my feet. It hurts to run, but I do it because for me, find your own form of exercise. But for me, running is like, because it's hard. I do it because it's hard because I've been through the hardest things I've ever been through in my life, the PPD and the evil thoughts and giving birth to a nine pound baby with no medicine those were the hardest things i've ever done i can do hard things like i combat my hard things with harder things and so like running to me is excruciating but i do it because i know it's therapeutic it's for you. therapeutic it's therapeutic yeah. it's it's good for me to run and be like i can do this i'm a bad a like i've been through worse than this and so i do i purposely make myself do hard things and i've heard that that i read that that helps when you're going through something really hard you have to do you have to push yourself to like mm -hmm. do things that might seem impossible, but that you can do so that you know you can get through it. Yeah. Well, there's a mom. This is so crazy. So my playground that my son goes to, that's right by my house. It's just this small, like normal playground. And there's a circle around the outside. It's the, what is it? The wood chips and everything. It's just a small circle of uh -huh. sidewalk. There's a mom that runs that while her kids play. I'm sure and she it's is. this tiny little circle so she probably runs it like good for 8, her thousand times right but I sit there and I'm like go girl you I hope get you it I hope that's you cheer awesome. for her Just if like, that's her exercise I'm like good like good for you like yeah. I said I don't whatever works for you just do it I also found that I needed a way to wind down I get really tense and I can be intense and like I'm I'm also like really heightened like all my emotions are heightened I'm never just in the middle I'm either really low or really high. So I needed to find a way to kind of like, because I'm so hot or cold all the time, I needed some way to like bring me down. Um, and I'm still working on that. I'm actually taking violin lessons because I hope that that would be like something I can therapeutically do to like an just- outlet. An outlet. I needed cool. an outlet. Um, so I've been kind of working on that. I tried like doing the paint by numbers. Like I just, I'm trying different things. I'm trying things. Good for you. So I feel like, you got to keep challenging yourself. You got to find things, find what works for you. I still haven't really found it yet. I don't know if there's an it or if it's just continuing to learn new things. Maybe that's my it. I don't know. Um, but I learned that that's been helping. Um, and then talking to myself has been super helpful. I know that sounds really dumb, but I talk to myself all the time because when I was a kid, I was an anxious kid. I was always anxious. I was always in my head, but I realized even as a kid that when I, talk to myself I didn't feel anxious like anxieties and fears they're all just lies right they're just lies that aren't they're just lies that your brain is making up and so I realized that if I had an anxiety and then I literally like spoke up about it and was like that's not true or just was talking to myself about like all the I feel like you have to physically say out loud otherwise your brain doesn't register that it's real or that it's from you because your brain can be tricky so i when i would get these lies or these like scary thoughts i would talk to myself out loud and i would just say like oh i don't i don't feel that way why like brain why are you doing that like i know it sounds so dumb but i would like try and connect with my body if my body felt like it needed 
to do something, I would go do that thing. I like I felt like my body needed something intense like running. So I did. That's why I picked up running. So my body just it just like craved something intense like that. And so I listened. You have to like listen to your body and you have to I, just yeah, like come in be in tune with like you have to be um what's what's the, what do they call that? Mindful. The mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Just practice mindfulness. It's amazing. Meditation, awesome. Mindfulness is good because it taught me to like how to be in tune with like what I was actually feeling versus what the frick my brain was talking about. Yeah. Like, whoa, how to separate the two. Um, and so when my brain would tell me a lie, I would talk out loud and say like, I'm actually a good mom. Like, um, and then once I did say that out loud, it made me feel validated. Like I validate myself. Like, yeah, I'm, g- I'm a good mom, you know? I love that. Um, and it's so- It's awesome that you found that to yeah. be a tool for you. Yeah. Through I mean, doing your own research. I yeah, mean- no, I, yeah, I needed to because I kind of felt like with what Jordan was going through, um, and I love him, but I, I kind of felt like I was a burden to him because I was just so much. Yeah. And like, I have noticed that um, complimenting other women for insecurities I have helps. If I'm insecure about, I get really anxious about my ears and I tell another girl like, oh, you have really, your earrings are really cute. or really like your ears look really cute, those earrings. Then it helps my anxiety about my own ears go away. I don't know. Like if you're anxious about something in your life, go compliment, go find another woman. You have to, it has to be authentic. Don't just like spit out a compliment (laughs) because you have to actually like, when you see it, you'll be like, oh, that mom is killing it. Like go freaking tell her, like tell her she's killing it. Because if you feel like you're not killing it, telling someone else they are will make you feel better about yourself. Exactly. So I feel like that also helped. Um, And then finding the last thing that helped me tremendously is opening up to my friends who... I knew we're struggling with stuff, but didn't want to say it because I know there's a stigma still. I don't know why, but um, there is. And I opened up to my friends and they opened up to me and come to find out we all go through it. And and yeah, like and it's so interesting how their stories are so hard for me to hear. But also my story is so hard for them to hear. And we both can't believe each other went through that. But we both just care about each other. I don't, I don't know. It just, you're is not like, coming from a place of judgment. No, and no. You're just coming from a place of love. Just of like, I am so sorry you went through that. Like, and then you just talk about what you both went through and you talk about like how, what helped me and how, yeah, like giving my, giving my advice has been really helpful because I have a few friends that were like, Hey, you're so open about stuff. Like, can you tell me about what you went through with this? And I would tell them and then they would finally come clean and like, okay, this is what I've been going through what do I do? And like, just being able to share Mm -hmm. has been really helpful and being able to see that you don't struggle alone has been, I think the most therapeutic thing. Cause like, like I said, husbands are great, but they don't get it. They never will. And so talking to my friends about it, like even my own mom doesn't get it. I love you mom, but maybe you do mom. Maybe you should reach out. But like, (laughs) she never ever told me about PPD and my mom's like a really awesome person. And I don't really, remember her being like a mean mom ever really so like in my mind she's never had mental struggles right maybe she has but like so I I never felt like I could reach out to her Mm -hmm. um so I didn't have like that woman influence in my life that I wanted to reach out to but I just you don't really want to reach out to people that won't understand because if you tell someone you've been oh this one time I had this desire to drive my car off the road they'd be like what the hell like yeah and then they call like child services on you. And so of course, why would women speak up? It's, it's a trap. It's like tragic. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like a PTSD. So much fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
of so, what people are gonna think yeah and so when you know when a, like one of my girlfriends like finally gets the courage to, like tell me the smallest detail about their life and i'm like girl you want to hear what i've been through like yeah let's talk and then they open up and i'm like oh this is a thing like everyone goes through this yeah that's been the most helpful thing well brooklyn you have been so i mean you have been through a lot and you've done so much research to help yourself and really taking care of yourself and this is so fresh for you like we're talking about two months ago yeah you know yeah and right now and maybe you're not through the hardest part of it who knows like you said it comes back but you have the tools and you are doing such an amazing job at helping yourself and helping others by sharing your stories um what would you tell another mom who's had intrusive thoughts exactly like yours or different than yours but similar that have caused them to feel so much guilt and shame what's something that you would tell them Um, that's hard because like, I still have the guilt. The one thing that I, if I could give some advice, um, it's not a permanent thing and like you will get through it. And if you have an intrusive thought, you need to fight that thought immediately. You need to combat that thought with something immediately. Do not let that thought eat and eat and eat your soul because that's what I did. And it blew up in my face. It blew up my family. Like, do not do that. Don't let it, don't just if you have an intrusive thought about even like minor things like when you know i would see a knife on the counter like i needed i wished i would have just even like i said talked to myself and verbally like tricked my or not tricked my brain told my brain like i'm not gonna do anything no one's gonna do anything with that knife that is just a knife that my husband forgot to put away brain knock it off like just out loud like you need to hear yourself say it because if you don't, if you let it sit there and fester, your brain will think that, that that's, that that's a valid thought. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not, it's not coming from you. It's not coming from you. My husband would tell me, these are not your thoughts. They're not coming from you. Mm -hmm. And like, that was really helpful to me. And he, and like, there's a few times when I would look at Freddie and I would have the guilt with mainly him. Um, because he, in my opinion, like (laughs) I used to think it was his fault that like I was having these thoughts because he, if I wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been going through this. So I had that guilt of all that. And there was this time when I was just watching him and I just remember thinking, you know, Freddie's a good kid and he would forgive me. So why can't I forgive myself? Like he would forgive me. He'd be like, mom, it's okay. And so I just, yeah, that's perfect. just thinking like, why can't I forgive myself? You know? So I think that helped just knowing that like, they're not your thoughts and your kids love you and they'll forgive you and you haven't done anything so don't beat yourself up i love that thank you so much this has been incredible Mm -hmm. thank you for being so vulnerable and so bold and all the things (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you yeah thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.